so a leader recently I, I have been coaching, um, you know, she and I were talking about this idea of having some specific coaching questions to work with her team on. And, and she's more of a linear thinker and, and she admits that and she knows that. And, and she was kind of wrestling with, well, I've got these seven questions we've talked about, but she wants to make them almost like a checklist. And I, and I had yeah. to really help her think about, no, these are just kind of in your back pocket all the time. And they, they're questions that can be templates for you to, to have in your mind of, to, to work with your team. And so sometimes we try to make things too formalized or too rigid and structured. And we need to think about just the normal conversation, I would say on a day-to-day -day basis, while also building that structure in on a monthly, quarterly, biannual, annual basis. This week on the podcast, we have Chris McClure. He talks a lot about how he got involved as a business coach um, from not only being a pastor to then uh, walking into leadership. Um, he talks about what he really saw um, as he was uh, leading different teams of volunteers and how that is, um, has shaped him and has helped him uh, grow in these, uh, these new times as he's a leadership coach. We'll jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. I am excited that you're here today. Do you want to just give us a brief um, background of how you got involved in your work and then what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Kirsten, for, for being you know, so inviting to this. This is really exciting. Uh, yeah, my background is, is pretty unique in a lot of ways to, uh, to my sphere of influence now. I was a pastor for 20 years full time. Uh, for the first about 13 to 15 years, I was a youth pastor. Um, then I kind of shifted more of an associate and executive pastor role where I was in charge of leadership and operations of the staff and management of a lot of things and kind of function as more like a COO kind of role in, in our church. But circling back to the beginning of that, though, uh, I became a student of leadership 20 years ago where I really started to follow a lot of leadership experts like John Maxwell and then ultimately Darren Hardy and, you know, a lot of people that, you know, we would be very uh, recognizing now in our, in our world. And, and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was this grooming period for me to learn in a volunteer driven environment in a church setting that really made me grow up and learn how to lead uh, in a way that I've discovered is, is uh, very challenging, you know, for a mm -hmm. lot of people. Um, you know, when you don't have a paycheck attached to somebody's role, you have to, motivate and inspire and lead mm -hmm. in, in a way that makes them want to stay. And so, so that's actually really helped me as I've helped business leaders today. Um, and about five years ago, this summer is exactly when I started my business doing executive coaching, leadership training. I was really at this point in my mid thirties, uh, thinking about, okay, am I going to do what I'm doing for the next 30 years of my life? I, I don't know that I was having that midlife crisis, so to speak, but I, but I felt like I was ready for that up level of really yeah. saying, hey, what do I want to do? Um, and, I, and I knew my passion was leadership. I knew it was helping people really uh, become better versions of themselves. And so I just kind of kept exploring, like, what would that look like for me based on my background, based on my, my skills and my gifts and my abilities? And so I kind of feel like I fell into this in a sense. But um, it's really exciting to me to be able to sit down with senior leaders, mid-level managers now, really helping them navigate the leadership challenges that they have in their organization, uh, whether it be organization-wide or with their team. And I really focus on the personnel management leadership side of things. Um, I'm not the systems and processes guy. I, I have referral partners for that. Um, for me, it's really about the people side of the business. And I've realized, I knew this on one hand, but I've continued to realize that everything we do is the people business in some yeah. way, shape or form. And a lot of people yeah. struggle with the people issues in their organization. 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you there. It's uh, people are the most important part of an organization. And sometimes we don't realize that off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So I have a question. So you basically said that you um, were a leader, a leadership type role for volunteers. That's really a fascinating area to be in. What were some of those tactics that you used to get people excited about their um, job, so to speak, or yeah, uh, volunteering yeah. opportunity? What were some of those ways that you really help them grow and be inspired mm -hmm. to continue? Yeah, so I think a few things really, really made me successful in doing that. It was a lot of it just started with caring for the people. You know, they, mm -hmm. a lot of people, whether it be a church or a nonprofit type, whatever setting in a volunteer role, a lot of people, they, they want to do something that matters. You know, they, they didn't sign up because they had to, they signed up because they wanted mm -hmm. to, they want to help, whether it be with kids or teenagers or, you know, even administrative things kind of behind the scenes, but um, they, they, so they wanted to really do something valuable and, and, and they wanted to be a part of a team and they want to be cared for. And so to me, it was always about relationships and helping them discover what, how can they best contribute and how can I position them as a leader in the best place for them to be successful and to experience, you know, that. So I would say that was a big part of it. The other thing, it was, it's an often overlooked thing in volunteer leadership, I think, uh, especially as I've talked to more people, but, you know, I would basically come to them on an annual basis and say, do you want to continue? You yeah. know, because a lot of times we assume that, um, that people will just kind of do it for life. And we don't, in a sense, as a leader, we don't want to lose volunteers. So you're almost afraid to ask the question, like, are, are you happy? Do you want to continue mm -hmm. or whatever? But yeah. what I realized was I actually gained more favor with mm -hmm. people over the years because they realized I wasn't wanting to just use them, you know, to, for my advantage, but I was wanting to help them make sure they were staying excited and fulfilled. And um, it is definitely different to navigate volunteers and manage them because you know, they're working full-time jobs most of the time. And so you're leading people kind of in the margins of a typical work week. Um, and so you can't just call a meeting in the middle of the day. You can't do certain things that in a, in a work or an office environment you could do from a, you know, management st standpoint. You had to really Absolutely. work with their schedule and be flexible. And so I think just really, once again, I think it all goes back to caring for people and, and it's the heart of, of leadership so that you can meet their needs and their desires along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so translatable to an organization too, without volunteers, employees themselves, like that caring aspect and um, actually asking the hard questions of like, are you excited to be doing what you're doing? Yeah. Um, I think that's super translatable. Yeah, it, but, it really is. And, and, and I think that it's something that we lose in the business world, right? Because we think people are just, they signed up for their job we have we have things to do we have to produce right we whether it be sales or or whether it be production whatever the side of the business we end up being on i think it's easy to to forget about the the person and and yeah. one of the things that i that i work with leaders a lot on is realizing that we try to have these personal and professional boundaries and while some boundaries are are certainly important and needed there's this other side where we have to realize that we're one person and so if something happens at home that's going to distract me when I come to the office. As a leader, we need to be aware of that and vice versa. If something is bad at work, we take that home. And so I really try to help leaders keep in mind, A, they're one person, so they need to understand how to even lead themselves well and to take care of themselves. But I also try to remind them that your people have stuff going on maybe that you're not aware of. And so getting, once again, getting to the heart and, and caring for the person and what they're going through, whether it be with family or relationships or finances and things, 
um, you're just being available to them and helping them navigate whatever life circumstances they're dealing with can help or hinder their performance. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's super important. What are some of those ways that um, managers and leaders can start having those conversations about those personal things? What, what are some best practices, so to speak, that you offer them? Yeah. So I, so I think one is just simply the question of how are you doing? You know, just, just being not, not just about your job, although that may be part of it, but whether it be in one-on-one, you know, scheduled meetings or whether it be in the kind of the passing of the hall conversation, water cooler type meetings, just asking, asking, how are you doing? And is there any way I can help you? Um, You know, I heard author and pastor Andy Stanley talk years ago about the powerful just question is, you know, how can I help? And, and it's just, a lot of times people think leaders are there to be served. And really the reality is as we grow in leadership, as we grow in our responsibilities, we need to be more servant focused in our own way that if we're serving our team, if we're helping them be successful, they're actually going to produce better for the organization and for the team. And so I think a lot of it is that just, you know, making sure that you're basically staying on top of how are they doing as an individual how can you help them be successful or even be the, maybe you just need to be a, a sounding board or that ear that needs to listen um, because maybe they don't have that at home or maybe they don't have that within their team or whatever. Um, so I think that's a lot of it. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. being intentional with your time, you know, being, you know, there's the management by walking around kind of principle that's been out there for years and kind of the servant leadership model that's been very popularized in the last two or three decades. But a lot of it is just, you know, once again, it's easy as I think when we're very production oriented to get tunnel vision on getting things done. And, yeah. I, and, what, and if we can really focus on, hey, how's, how are my people doing and asking them and, and being there for them, they'll, they'll ultimately trust you to, to be that person for them. And, and they'll wanna, they want to be a part of that kind of a team and environment. Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard before that like how often you should do, be doing this is once a day to like once a month what are your takes on that how should this be a formalized meeting should this be just a conversation out of the blue what what are your thoughts on that yeah so i think all the above it would be the the short answer (laughs) um but i think being very mindful and strategic about it so on a on a i would say you know there is definitely value in having an annual or biannual review you know with your with your people to be more formalized and and help them stay on track with goals and, and objectives for their for their job and their their career uh, i think monthly one-on-ones that are intentional where you're talking about personal as well as their their professional progress and goals but i think the organic kind of approach on a day-to-day basis where you know, I think where you need to be smart about that is when are they most productive and you don't want to be disruptive to their day, but you also want to be intentional with checking in. And, you know, it's, so a leader recently, I I have been coaching, um, you know, she and I were talking about this idea of having some specific coaching questions to work with her team on. And, and she's more of a linear thinker and, and she admits that, and she knows that. And, and she was kind of wrestling with, well, I've got these seven questions we talked about, but she wants to make them almost like a checklist. And I, and I had yeah. to really help her think about, no, these are just kind of in your back pocket all the time. And they, they're questions that can be templates for you to, to have in your mind of, to, to work with your team. And so sometimes we try to make things too formalized or too rigid and structured. And we need to think about just the normal conversation, I would say on a day-to-day basis, while also building that structure in on a monthly, quarterly, biannual, annual basis. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think of it almost like tools in a toolbox. You have mm -hmm. them as a resource, but it's not, it might not be the best tool for that um, certain, certain situation. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, yeah. Even, even when, as I was being in, in my training programs as a coach, you know, I remember some of the mentors I had, they would just give you like a list of a hundred questions to just read through <laughs> over and over again. Not, not because you need to ask all hundred, but mm -hmm. because they 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 get in the back of your mind just to be you, you know being a good coach being a good leader I think has a lot to do with the questions you ask, and yeah. and so if we can kind of think about that where we we are really being mindful of what could I ask to help in this situation to understand you know Stephen Covey you know popularized the idea of seek first to understand then be understood, mm -hmm. and you can't understand without asking good questions and. Um, you know, I've been, I've been accused in the past of, of uh, what people would say, I'm a cleared somebody uh, by asking a bunch of questions. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I get to the heart of who they are. I understand their background. I understand their passions, their interests. And it's really helped me connect with the people I lead and, and want to influence and uh, to be able to help them most effectively. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those other tools besides just questions that people can use to um, really connect with their people on a deeper level? Yeah, so I think one thing that um, is helpful is even doing a, a survey sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. so with my clients, mm -hmm. a lot of times um, I have them fill out a, a pre-session survey questionnaire of just five mm -hmm. or six questions. And, and what it does is it helps them really think about their own progress, their own goals, their own challenges, their own successes, you know, because one of the things I think that happens in a lot of our organizations we get so focused on the next goal, the next goal, the next goal that we don't stop to celebrate. And, mm -hmm. and I, so I do that with my clients and I recommend, you know, that is a way to, to gauge where your people are uh, a lot of times because you're able to get them to stop and slow down and think about what, what are, what am I struggling in? What have I been excelling in and how can we celebrate the wins while also working on the, the, the weaknesses or the challenges? So I think that's part of it. Um, I think investing in them in the sense of, you know, if you hear something that they're, that they want to grow in or that they need to grow in and you can recommend resources, whether it be a book or a podcast or, you know, a conference, whatever it may be. Um, I think that that's one of the best ways that you can, you can tell them that you're helping them be growth minded, growth oriented. And I think that shows a lot of uh, care for them, but I also think it shows that you believe in them, that, that they have potential that you want to help them realize. So I think those are a couple of other things that we can just do is really be that resource as a leader to our people so they can truly become who they're capable of becoming. Yeah. Do you find that people struggle initially to make this a priority in their organization when they start working with you? Absolutely. One, busyness is, is our enemy, right? I, I really believe that it's so easy to any of us uh, can get so busy and busyness is probably the enemy of, of slowing down to really care for our people and lead them well. And, um, and so that's one of the things that I, that I even have to work with myself, but also with my clients and, and others I lead is the idea of really blocking time to make this a priority because we, we tend to live and die by our calendars in the business world. You know, we, the next appointment, the next project, you know, whatever. And what I think people often struggle with is putting people in their calendar because it feels too cold. But mm -hmm. the reality is if it's important enough to be in my calendar, it shows value. So if I think a meeting is yeah. important, I'm going to put it in my calendar. If I think a doctor's appointment is important, I'm going to put it in my calendar. So time with whether it's your wife and your kids or your, you know, friends or your employees, um, 
putting them in your calendar says something. You know, I've yeah. heard I've heard people say that you can see what matters most into somebody's life is by looking at their checkbook and their calendar. <laughs> and, and so where do you spend your money and where do you spend your time? Yeah. And so I think from this angle, it's really a lot about where you invest in your time. Are you truly, you know, blocking out time to be intentional so that you can connect with your people? Or are you so busy with projects and tasks that you forget about them for the sake of accomplishing the goals? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just a, a hard transition to get over too. It, 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 it's it really <laughs> is. taking I your mean, calendar and saying, I'm slashing these things and um, yeah. making it a priority. That's hard for people. I've seen it over and over again. And it's hard to walk away from your 40 hour work week and figure out what's actually important in that for sure. Well, and, and to your point on that, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think one of the challenges, and this is something I dealt with because I was a very people-driven leader and, 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 and want to be, I used to also have just this ongoing open door policy. And mm. I actually realized it took me the longest time, but, but I realized that was actually bad for me and for the people I cared about the most to invest in because when I was distracted, with an open door policy, I wasn't getting yeah. certain things done efficiently like I could have to truly give them my time and my focus. So if you would have come to my door and I'm in the middle of something, I would have said yes to you, but my mind may not have really been engaged and present with you because of what I just been working on. Mm -hmm. So I had to do the hard work up front where it really felt painful internally for me, like to close my door. But yeah. I realized I just, and I've studied a lot of productivity and listened to a lot of experts like, you know, being more intentional with blocking time and telling people, hey, I'm available from this time to this time. I'd love to mm -hmm. talk with you if you need to or whatever. But you kind of set those personal boundaries that, and, and communicate them well. And it helped me so uh, exponentially with the people that I was working with that it blew me away, honestly. But it yeah. really helped me help my productivity on my goals and my tasks. But it also helped me be fully present and fully engaged with the people right in front of me. Yeah, that's such a great idea, actually. I've heard a lot of bosses and leaders and managers have an open door policy, and that's so difficult um, to mm -hmm. be able to shift your time like that and shift your mindset so quickly and be able to function well before and after. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just not <laughs> the well, best and, practice and, either. Yeah, and, yeah. And, one of, and I can't even remember where I read this. I've read so many, you know, productivity and, you know, <laughs> uh, management type books and things over the years. But, but I just remember the story of, of, a, of an executive who finally just kind of put a whiteboard outside of his office mm. and said, you know, put 10 minute time slots during, you know, a certain amount of time or a certain time in his day. And by doing that, he helped his people focus because, A, they only had 10 minutes with them in those time slots. So they, they got more focused in what they wanted to talk about, um, yeah. which helped them. But it also helped him, once again, shift to this is people time and I want to be fully present. And so everybody ended up winning. They became much more productive, much more efficient and effective in their business. But he had to make that hard decision of, hey, of saying, I need to get my work done. You need to get your work done. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to block some time. We're going to have some time spot, time slots. So if you need me, you're I'm available. But between this mm -hmm. hour and this, you know, and so things yeah. like that, I think little tips, you know, that may not be the thing for everybody, but it, it's that type of thing that I think can help people um, realize that you can still be very productive while also giving valuable time to your people that matter. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea and concept. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> so 
obviously I just asked you about how they get over that hurdle um, initially. What are some of those really positive things that they come away from your um, consulting uh, feeling? Are they feeling much more positive about their people? Are they, what are some of those things? Yeah, so I, th I think the things that um, I hear most from my clients is the fact that they have somebody that's that objective thinking partner that's on their side, helping them mm -hmm. see things from a different perspective. You know, it's kind of like when you walk around your house and you have nicks and dings on the wall or <laughs> furniture or whatever, and you don't, you, you kind of quit seeing it after a while, mm -hmm. but somebody, somebody comes in as a guest to your house and they can see everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah. so as a coach and as a leadership trainer, when I'm talking about these things with people, I see things and even CEOs, you know, will say to me sometimes, you know, you probably know a lot more going on than I do. And, and, and it's very true because people confide in me as a coach. They, they know I'm a trustworthy, you know, confidential person that they can process their, their challenges, their objectives, their goals with. And so I get this very well-rounded approach to the organization. And by doing that, I can actually help more people because I, I, yeah. I'll go to one meeting and hear one side of the story or one issue going on in the organization. I go to another meeting and I hear it from a different perspective. And one of the things I've realized is mediation has become a, an opportunity for me to help people see uh, each other's point of view. And so they, they start to realize that, okay, maybe I had my perspective and they had their perspective, but this is the reality. You know, it's kind of yeah. his, his story, her story, and, and the story is kind of how I put it. Um, so that's, that's part of it is that objectivity that, that can help, you know, the organization. The other side of it is, is we just get, like I said, we have blind spots about what, what could be uh, up-leveled, what could, what could be areas to improve upon. And when you're just in it day to day, you just kind of overlook those things. And so once again, asking people prioritization questions, what, what truly does matter most right now? Um, I do a combination of one-on-one -on -one as well as group sessions, as far as workshops. And, and so when I'm in group sessions, it's always interesting to hear to, uh, different perspectives in the same room about the same topic. And so mm. when they're, you know, when you're, when you're whiteboarding different priorities and then you kind of make the group rank what is most important, for instance, um, that's, a, that's a pretty challenging exercise sometimes, but it gets everybody on the same page. Yeah. And so, so that type of thing will happen. But I think a lot of it is the, the being heard, the being, having somebody that really cares enough to listen, you know, it, that's, yeah. that, that understands leadership, but also understands, you know, the, the challenges they're facing, just being able to help them process that. And, um, and so that's really where I really focus my attention is how can I best be present and serve my client today based, you know, based on their current challenge, their current goal, their need at the moment, uh, and, and really be a resource. You know, one of the things I've realized too, because I've been an avid reader and student for 20 years of leadership, it hit me about a year ago that one of my greatest values as a coach is everything that I've invested in myself for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. All the books I've read, all the conferences I've been to, all the experiences I've had becomes this library to help my clients work through different challenges. So I'll recommend books or I'll, I'll just have a perspective because I've been there or have seen other leaders deal with things in certain ways. And yeah. so in a sense, I become that, you know, very broad, but helpful resource to them um, it, based on their situations. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. I think that um, 
having life experience in that, but also seeing other people go through that and mm -hmm. know, hey, this might not be the best route to be taking right now. Um, here's another option. Yeah, well, you absolutely. Know, and here's one of the side advantages, like as I work with different organizations, I learn from what they're doing sometimes that I can even recommend to other organizations that I've seen work. So for instance, there was a book that one company I was working with um, had studied and had implemented a lot of their, their principles. And I just happened to think that it could be a good read for another company. Well, that ended up give, leading them down a path of, a, of, a, of an overhaul of a reorganization that they needed for mm -hmm. the future growth of the company. Now, when I started working with the first company, I hadn't read that book. I, had, I didn't know anything about what they were doing when I first engaged with them. But as I studied yeah. that a little bit more, I realized this other company could really benefit from that. So learning, you know, once again, it, it's so easy to be kind of be trapped inside your own organization that you may hear of other things other people are doing, but I'm actually inside the day-to-day -day operations, working with those leaders that actually informs me that to learn new ideas and fresh perspectives that other companies and organizations could benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. That's so key to everyone growing and everyone becoming better. Mm -hmm. um, all companies are a little bit different, but they absolutely. all operate somewhat the same. So sure. Sure. yeah, absolutely. So Chris, if people are interested in working with you, where can you be found? Yeah. So I, my website is McClurecoaching.com and uh, it's M-C-C-L-U-R-E coaching.com. And I have a blog there that I, I post weekly articles. I also uh, have a free daily inspirational email that I send out with uh, daily memes that I, that I send out via email. <laughs> it kind of just helps people get their day started off right. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I, that's one of the things I think that, especially in our world today, there's so much going on, obviously, right now um, in, our, in our world, our society, even just with technology and the advancements that we have, there's so much turmoil or chaos or disruption going on in so many ways. Yeah, I just want to be a voice of inspiration and really be an encouragement to, to leaders on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I want to share the lessons I'm learning. And so that's why I blog. That's why I do my daily inspiration emails. That's, you know, and, um, but, but there's more information there about my coaching, my leadership training uh, services there as well. But, uh, you know, my heart is truly just to serve the leaders and the needs of their organizations in a way that is very customized to their situation for sure. Um, but knowing that there are a lot of common practices and principles that do work, like you said, across all organizations that, that we really just need to be intentional about implementing. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. This was a lot of fun to learn from you and continue to hear what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Kirsten. This is really fun. I'm glad you guys do this podcast. I know it helps a lot of leaders to, uh, to hear from different perspectives of what's going on out in the business world. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.